Welcome back to the Grief Observed Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Morell. Uh, if you want to be on the podcast, contact me at griefobservedpodcast at gmail.com. Tell me a little bit about you, uh, the person that you lost, and your grieving journey, and we'll try to bring you on the podcast as soon as possible. Um, my guest today is just a few miles away from me. Um, actually, she's many, many miles away from me and across time zones as well as across the Atlantic. Um, I'd like to welcome Linda to the podcast. Linda, thanks for joining me today. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So why don't you first uh, just tell me a little bit about yourself and uh, I, you can tell me as much or as little as you want. Yeah. So my name is uh, Linda Verhagen. I'm located in the Netherlands in, in Europe and I've lost my father a couple of years ago. And um, this was quite a journey. And um, I just want to share and connect with um, lots of women, uh, grieving daughters, um, to share my story and about what you can do with your with your grief and how to how to handle your grief mm. and how you can gain a sense of control over your grief. So tell me a little bit about your father. Um, what what kind of father was he like? Uh, oh, that's a... <laughs> we had a, a very complicated relationship, mm. uh, as it often is. Uh, when I was younger, um, I don't feel we were that close. Uh, but what I mean by that is that my father... He's from a generation um, where he was never taught how, you know, to share his feelings, to share his emotions. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I got older myself that I was beginning to understand that he loved me very much. But at that time, he did not know how to express it he didn't know how to because nobody told him nobody taught him that how to express his feelings um so a lot of the times you know being a young young girl i was often wondering like you know does my daddy love me i don't know you know <laughs> because i couldn't really i couldn't really um tell and but when he grew older, and of course so did I, our relationship changed. And especially when he um, retired, um, because he never had a time because he was working shifts. Mm -hmm. And if he wasn't working, he was sleeping. And, you know, so he really didn't have much, uh, much time to spend with his children and his family. And when he retired, things shifted and, and we got to know each other in a completely different way. And we grew really, really close hmm. uh, to one another. And what was really beautiful, um, because I didn't 
I feel like I didn't give up on him and I I have always reached out and I have always showed my 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 love and compassion for both my parents and he finally opened up uh, to me and then he started to to share his 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 deepest like secrets from when mm. he was younger lots of stories from when when he was a young boy um the way he was raised the stories and uh, the stories about world war ii mm-hmm. um, that he witnessed as a young boy uh, but he had many many stories uh, to tell and really sharing his feelings with me so we grew really really close did that bring on a new understanding of your father and maybe why yes. he didn't show his emotions well when he was younger he just he couldn't show his emotions because he just he just did not know how he didn't know yeah, it's not really something that they teach in school, is it? <laughs> no, but neither uh, um, from his parents. You know, the mm-hmm. uh, in 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 the private situation, the way they they are they were raised. Uh, nobody talked about their feelings. Nobody, you know, and and there was no no emotional help like now. You know, you have all kind of therapists, and in those days, you know. There weren't any. There was no help uh, neither, mm-hmm. and that was something you would you would just keep to yourself. And this this is the way he was raised, and I see that a lot in his generation. Uh, um, yeah, uh, like yeah, his generation. Um, yeah, they they are raised in a very different way than than we are. Was your father from the Netherlands as well? Yes, he's from the Netherlands. He was from the countryside. Mm. So it was really, really, really basic and like from a farmer's farmer's family. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. How old was your father when he passed? He passed away when he was 89 years 89. old. 89. Wow. Okay. Yeah. 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 And that story... Um, I mean, I was alone with him for six days um, before we decided um, he had to go to the hospital. Uh, but first, my mother was admitted to the hospital. And she had a problem with her, her, her intestines and she had to undergo surgery. So at first, we were afraid for her life, to be honest, mm-hmm. um, because... Um, yeah, she was in her 80s already, and this was like a big thing, this surgery. And we weren't sure, like, is she going to make it, you know? And my father was fine. He was just fine. But after a couple of days, I mean, my mom was all right. And after a couple of days, he he said, I don't feel so good, you know? Mm. And... Yeah, it started with that, and then a day later, he was fine again, and we went to see my mother in the hospital. Uh, She was fine, and she was discharged, and she could come home. Um, But before uh, that time uh, uh, came, 
uh, after we visit our mother, uh, the next day he told me again, you know, I don't feel so good, you know. And I was thinking, okay, he's like upset and all the stress, like the ambulance had to come in the middle of the night to take my mother to the hospital. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, he can't handle this stress anymore, you know. And he, he was just upset with his intestines and, you know. But then the other day he told me, you know, I, I really need to lie down. And then I knew things were wrong because he would never, ever take a nap or lie down in the middle of the day. He never did that, never. And then he, he didn't want to eat anymore, you know. And he didn't want me to call a doctor because he's a man who never visit, visited a doctor. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he, he just didn't want that. But okay, so I sat there with him for six days alone. And uh, this was a very special time. And, but at some point I said, you know, listen, I don't know what to do anymore. And I don't think you are getting any better this way. So I feel we have to call the, the doctor. Mm. And and then he he agreed. And they came and picked him up uh, to the hospital. And yeah, they, they started with x-rays and so on. But I felt like this was not good. Because he had um, like these sensitive lungs already. Mm -hmm. And a few years ago, he had a double ammonia. And he was sensitive in that area already. And then doing an x-ray is, is like, it's like really like almost like this violent energy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they ask you to leave the room, you know, because sure. the x because the x-rays are so strong and he was already so in such a fragile state and i was thinking to myself you know this is not good um but you're just undergoing because you you feel all these emotions right and i was talking to him like what do you want you know i asked him you know do you yeah maybe sounds strange but i asked him do you do you still want to live? Do, do you want to continue your life? Mm -hmm. or, or are you tired? Or do you want to go? I said, you know, whatever you want is, is fine with me. I love you and it's fine by me. Mm. And then he said, no, I want to stay like for another five years, you know, but I want to be in good health because he never wanted to uh, go to a resting home or anything. He, he, he never wanted that. He just wanted to, you know, live at a home in his own house. But he never wanted to go to a resting uh, home. But now, yeah, any, anyway, later on, I understood, you know, even if he would get better, he would never be able to live his life the way that he was used to. Mm. Because until the end, he was a man, he was very outgoing. And he was always going uh, downtown by himself. He was uh, playing pool. Uh, he liked his beer. He liked his jokes, you know, and he would just come and go whenever he pleases. And when you're in a resting home, everybody else decides for you. 
and he couldn't he just couldn't live that way um so looking back um yeah i was holding his hand and my mom was holding his other hand when he passed away and then seeing your father taking his last breath is is i cannot tell you how traumatic that is that is really uh, devastating yeah, yeah i've been with I've, uh i, I feel with... the tears i feel the tears coming <laughs> oh yeah no that's that's no problem um i i've only been with one person when they passed and i was holding my grandfather's hand when he passed and it's uh it's it's a different type of moment and you know it it's sad but it's it's um, i don't know i i can't think of a better way to i guess escort someone from this life by being there with them uh holding their hand and and just letting them know it it's okay it's okay to go yes i understand what you are saying uh, from one one side it's it's a beautiful thing and and to know that they're not alone when they're going because the lots of people are alone when they die mm -hmm. you know uh, and to to be there and and the days prior to that i mean we told each other so many times we loved each other so many times mm. you know uh, i just didn't know what to do anymore and you know, over and over, over again, telling each other, you know, I love you so much. I love you so much. I just, I love you so much, mm. you know? Um, and yeah, so he wasn't alone, <clears throat> but after, I mean, I noticed it was really traumatic and devastating for myself. And, um, I really didn't know how to handle that trauma and you know in this episode i mean so many things happened in the hospital as well um that i i feel i cannot not even begin to tell you everything that happened <laughs> because lots of things happened um but yeah i didn't know how to handle that trauma hmm. how did you find comfort in those early days of your grief Mm, I didn't um, because I was too caught up in surviving mm. uh, in the early early stages of that raw grief I I, I, um, mm, I went into survival mode and um, I was basically telling myself even though you you witnessed it and you you have seen it happening with your own two eyes and still telling myself did this this did not happen mm -hmm. and that's that's the survival mode and being so caught up in making the arrangements being so caught up in taking care of my mom um, and all the other stuff really um, that I cannot say that I was finding comfort in anything. Mm. No, not, not, not in the first year. No, not really. 
So it is the loss of your father kind of what inspired you, I guess, to help others through their grief process? Yes, for sure. For sure. Um, because so like, I, I'm sorry, go ahead. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I went through so much. And one thing I've learned that everybody's grieving journey is so, so very personal and so, so very unique that everybody's journey is different. Mm -hmm. Like the overall of it is, is the same. Um, but everybody's journey is is always so different and so very um, unique. And going through so much from that survival mode, uh, being in denial, telling myself for the longest time that this did not happen um, until I reached a point that I, I just couldn't do no more. And then something happened. And this is actually a beautiful thing that happened. And that's that my father came to me in a dream at mm, some point. Nice. I was I was so much in in denial and I didn't I I didn't know what to do. I just didn't know what to do. And nobody tells you what to do. And nobody talks about it. You know, the um what I mentioned earlier, you just yeah, you just have to figure it out on your own. And I guess it's different in, in maybe in other cultures um, that people talk about it um, more openly. But I find like here in, in Holland or maybe the Western culture um, is the mentality is, at least that's my experience, that you just have to figure it all out by yourself and you have to grieve in your own good time mm. and don't bother anyone with it because in the beginning everybody is is you know expressing their condolences and and they are really sorry for you until a certain point maybe a couple of weeks maybe a month maybe two months but after that people don't really want to hear about it anymore mm-hmm that, that seems to be common here as well, Linda. You know, it's always speak about how there's so many people there that first week or two, and then it's it's like complete silence. And, and they, I guess, just assume that you're doing okay and they've done their part. And that's certainly not the case. And, you know, I'm curious of like, what would you tell somebody who's hesitant or perhaps resistant to seeking help? during their grieving process? Um, yeah, that's a really good question. And it really depends on where you are mm -hmm. in your grieving journey. Um, if you are open to, you know, to reach out, I think the first thing is, and thank God for internet now. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, because now, even if you would just join a grief group online, you know, where there are all these people, I mean, you have special groups um, um, for people who lost their parents and um, 
even to join there and and to share your story and to uh, connect with others just by doing that makes you feel a little bit less alone mm -hmm. on your journey because then this is what grief does too which is so strange that um really like complete random strangers can become your ally mm, yeah yeah <laughs> when people that are close to you um which which okay from their side um okay i can understand a little bit because if you haven't experienced this 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 loss you have no idea what somebody is going through so so you cannot relate and then it's very difficult for people to they don't really know what to say they don't really know what to say and maybe they are a little bit hesitant or afraid that they would say something that would upset you or hurt your feelings mm -hmm. and then people choose to yeah they tend to 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 be silent and and move away a little bit because they just don't know they just don't know which mm. is kind of sad and that's why i'm all for you know um breaking that taboo and i mean i share my grief very openly very openly on on facebook i talk about it all the time and um yeah and i had some friends telling me do you have to talk about it every day you know mm. and this was upsetting uh, then i i even had some saying you know i'm going to unfriend you because i just cannot take your messages anymore <laughs> wow wow isn't it interesting how people assume that you should grieve the way they grieve isn't that interesting Yes, it's very interesting. Yeah, yeah. But then, yeah, like I mentioned, everybody's grieving journey is so very personal and so very unique. Mm -hmm. And I also believe that, yeah, that everybody grieves in their own unique way. Yeah. And I've chosen now, after, after first um, having this whole phase of you know, being in denial, suppressing it, avoiding it, you know, even to a point that my health and my mental health were declining. Um, yeah, that I decided to, to yeah, break free from that and, and start sharing openly. But I actually, I wanted to talk about my father's dream, if I may. Sure, sure. Yeah. <laughs> At some point, I don't remember how much time passed. I don't know, but I was I was going in a downward spiral and my mental health was declining. And then one day my father came to me in a dream and this was so vivid. We were at some dancing event because my mother and father, they loved to dance when we were younger. Every Sunday, they would go out dancing and we would tie along. And, and through the dancing crowd, I see my father across the room. And, you know, I see him and I was like, 
how can this be? He's dead, you know? Mm. So I, I was happy, but I was scared at the same time. And I kept looking at him. And at some point, our eyes met. And, you know, he, he was just behaving the way he was, you know, just talking to people, making jokes, people laughing. He's drinking his beer. He's laughing all the time. And our eyes met and he raised his glass to greet me. Mm. But he didn't come over. He didn't come over to me to greet me in person. And I felt... I felt so lost and I felt so, 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 so sad. And this is what I remember. And then after outside the dream, I hear my father's voice in my head. And he said like, yes, sweetheart, it was me. It is me talking, you know, but I'm asking you to please let me go. Wow. Please, please let me go. I have to I have to go. I will always be with you. Always. Just call my name. If there's something, call my name. But you have to let me go now. And that for me was the moment. Um yeah, that I I I I knew I, I had to do something, you know, for my own for my own sanity. Mm-hmm. Um, because I was I was drowning in this grief of mine, and I just I didn't know what to do anymore, and I was drowning. And and then my father came to me, and I I know I, I had to do things differently, and looking at it from a di- different perspective as well, looking at it from his perspective as well. You know. Um, and that is when I decided to to educate more, to educate myself more about grief. Um, started reading more uh, about it, uh, diving into the topic. Um, I started reaching out to other people uh, who have lost a parent as well, and you know, start start sharing and connecting you know and processing your grief working working with your grief and um, doing a lot of self-care practices uh, as well Um, and really taking care of your mental health and your and your physical health as well and i surrendered to my grief hmm. and i believe that that the moment you decide but you have to be ready because you know like myself i i had this raw raw early grief you know and then that is something you you ha- you have to go through um, before you stop fighting and resisting, and then you are ready to surrender to your grief and accepting accepting it. You know, because I feel like you 
first you're fighting it. You don't want to accept it. You don't want to acknowledge it. You just, you don't want to feel that pain. Yeah, I think that's one of the hardest areas of grief for people is the acceptance piece. And, and I always try to tell people, you know, accepting grief doesn't mean that you're okay with what's happened. It's just that you are recognizing that it is part of your reality. It's part of your story. And uh, I don't know, that's, that is the most difficult part, I think, of grief. But like you stated, there's it. It seems like it was a freeing moment in your life where you no longer felt felt bound by grief. Would that be correct or yeah, no? That, yeah, that that is a beautiful way to to describe that. That you somehow, yeah, it's it's liberating, mm. um, freeing, and you're allowing your allowing yourself to sit with your grief acknowledging your grief because this is what grief wants from you it's now your it's your companion now until the end it stays with you and um yeah it's like having this this new companion in your life and um and she wants to be seen and she wants to be she wants to be heard and she wants your attention because if you don't then at some point yeah the grief will start screaming at you yeah that's that that's an excellent way of putting it 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 does kind of keep poking and prodding at you till you pay attention and i think Until a lot you, of people yeah. You know, mm -hmm. in, in the beginning, they, they don't want to pay attention. They want to work harder or uh, avoid any way possible. But grief will keep knocking at the door until you say, okay, I I see you and I'm, I definitely need to pay attention now. And And I feel like it's almost harder if you don't pay attention in the beginning. It, it is, but I went through that myself. And I think, um, I think, I mean, maybe it's an, it's, I think it's natural because if you experience trauma, whatever trauma you are experiencing is that this is your first primary reaction is to trying not to feel the pain mm -hmm. and trying to survive at first, at first, um, but then there will come a moment and lots of people um, is what I call this stagnated grief that people try so hard to run away, uh, run away from the pain and everything that comes with it. And they are trying to put it like in a box or in a container, mm -hmm. putting the lid on it and then just and just move on just just move on with life and everything that happens in life and 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 life does go on of course life life goes on and you're thinking like okay as long as i stay busy and just doing my thing and life goes on then the, the grief it will fade into the background but it doesn't and then it takes something else to happen again which causes to grieve to rise up again 
and oftentimes then it will be worse. And um, you're seeing lots of people like, you know, when they talk like like my father's generation, I mean, they can talk about things that happened 50, 60 years ago that still has such a profound impact because they never spoken about it. Hmm. They never processed it, you know, and then you, you, you keep stuck. You keep stuck in this pain and you keep stuck in the trauma, even, even maybe on the outside, um, you couldn't, maybe you couldn't tell, uh, but when people start to open up uh, a little bit and, and tell you about their life, then all of these things come up and, you know, they are just so, so stuck with it, you know, and yeah. yeah. So with what you're stating, I feel like being stuck is probably one of the worst human emotions, you know, I always state going forward makes obvious sense. Sometimes going backwards to pick up things that maybe we've left behind is okay, but feeling stuck is, is really hard. And when you experience that trauma of a loss, certainly you can feel that way. And it sounds like that's where you were for quite some time. Yes. Yes. Hmm. And I feel like, you know, we all need someone else um, to help us further down our path because if you are trying to you know solve it all by yourself um, you will stay stuck for so much longer and you just need someone else you know to say it can be really simple things you know um, paying attention to your breath mm -hmm. you know certain breathing techniques or having some kind of form of physical movement or or exercises or even just even just going for a walk outside all of these little steps can actually um you know make you feel less anxious um but when you are in the midst of your grief, these things don't come to mind. Mm -hmm. So you need someone else to tell you or to teach you or maybe to even take you by the hand, you know, and, and, and help you with this yeah, for, you so to feel, for you to feel better. Mm-hmm. And I know you've created kind of a, a group to help uh, a certain target audience that uh, you feel very led to help. Um, could you tell me more about maybe the group that, that you're running or encourage women to uh, join? Yes, of course. Um, you know, I decided um, coming out of the fog, I wanted to do something positive uh, with all of this. Um, because my experience is that we are so very uneducated about uh, grief and, and what to do after uh, loss and what, what, you, what you can do uh, to make you feel um, 
better. So I created this um, Facebook community, and this is called uh, Beyond Loss, uh, helping women in their 40s, 50s, and 60s navigate life after uh, parent loss. And in this group, you know, I help women um, to honor their pain and their love and their anger, their guilt, and everything that's in between. And to sit in a darkness where you're just safe to feel vulnerable. And at the same time, um, helping them find a way forwards together with, with their grief towards more lightness and love. And that is what my work is all about. And um, I've also created a coaching uh, program that is called the Resilience Blueprint. And this is all about cultivating emotional resilience. And it's about you learning the tools and techniques so that you can support yourself compassionately through all these triggers and waves of of grief. Hmm. Um, that that's fantastic, and it it sounds like you you have been using uh, what was painful for you uh, to really help others kind of push through in in this area of life, and that's that's great. I'm, I'm glad that you feel led to do that. Yes, I feel you know I I want to be like this leading example, like you know I have been there. I have been there in this in this darkness, uh, not knowing what to do, feeling that I'm in this downwards spiral, uh, both mentally and and physically and spiritually, uh, not knowing what to do anymore. And when I look back, when I was there at that place, and I look at myself now, then I know what is possible mm. and i know that it is possible even when you ha you have loved so much i mean you cannot grieve if you have not loved mm. very good point and 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 seeing where where i was and i know the way that i i i felt um to be able to 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 rise from that again and you know this this grief it changes you it really does it changes who you are in your core you can never be the same person again as you were before before you lost your loved one so here's a crazy question linda and and i don't know how else to say it but would you want to be the person you were before? I guess not. No. It's it's kind of odd to state that, but you know, at the same time, you've grown. You know, there this is it's nothing that you would have ever asked for, but you've no. grown into a it seems like a stronger person, a more educated person, you know, someone that uh, maybe has more empathy for others at this point in your life. It, it just, it's hard to know that 
it took a really bad circumstance to, I guess, get you to that point. But at the same time, I, I look at many things in my life, hard experiences where I, even though um, I have changed, I don't know that I would want to go back to the person that I was before, even though it took something really, really difficult to get me to where I am today. Yes, it, yeah, it definitely made me more mature and, you know, um, having this more, this, this clarity of the direction I want to take my life and um, what I want to do and being more of service, um, you know, to these women, because, yeah, I am a grieving daughter, so I am relating to that. It's not that I don't like men, but I'm just relating, you know, to that woman. Sure. Because that woman, that woman is me, you know. Um, yeah, and I, I think we always have to have kind of a target group that, uh, you know, we're comfortable helping. I, in my practice, I don't see children. Um, I, it's just not my forte, you know, it's, it's mm -hmm. not something that I'm comfortable with. It's not something that I enjoy. I love speaking with people who see the value of counseling. And yes. uh, so, you know, it's not that I don't care for children. It's just that that's not my thing. And there's somebody that would be more effective with that group of people. Right. So yes. I, it sounds like it's the same thing with you and your, your target uh, age group, I guess you said was 40 to 60. Is that correct? Yes. 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 Okay. Yes. So it just states that you are comfortable with this, um, population. And I, I think there's nothing wrong with that at all because it's where you have found to be, uh, found yourself to be more effective and that's great. Yes. Um, because I feel like, you know, um, because I've, I have been in that place and in the darkness and I know what that is like. So I've actually been through that and of course still process, processing my grief, but I am at a different, different point on my grieving journey. Mm -hmm. uh, now I mean uh, it's not that I never um, uh, have to cry anymore or it's, it's not like that at all <laughs> I mean I think I even cried yesterday um, mm. because I miss my dad but it's but it's so different now you know mm -hmm. so different from that early raw raw um grief and and feeling so so desperate and powerless and and you know and depressed and sad and all of that you know <laughs> it's very different now so you've got a lot of people that you help who helps you in in times where you're down or what helps you in those times um well what what helps me is um i do pray a lot mm -hmm. and 
you know i've i've developed more interest in the in the bible again yeah and um of course sharing and connecting with uh, with others who are walking a similar path and yeah i do all kinds of things now reading about it or listening to podcasts with the stories it really helps as well and you know um, meditation breathing techniques all the things that I've learned, I've incorporated that into my life. Mm. And it helps me if, because grief can be so sneaky. Yes. And it, it, seem, it always seems to come like, you know, when it's not invited. <laughs> mm-hmm. And on the most awkward moments, then all of a sudden you feel you know these tears coming up or you or you just burst out into tears and it's never convenient um but at then at that point now i know what i can do to feel better because i've learned i've learned this i've learned how to to use tools and techniques now that i can you know calm myself down and you know um, I'm feeling much better again even though you are grieving Mm. because I feel like um, sometimes I talk to people and um, they don't quite get that it's possible to feel a little bit better even though you are grieving they just cannot see it or envision it uh, for themselves. And they, they are like st- stuck in the sadness and in the pain. And like, God, how am I ever going to feel better, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I tell them, you know, I know it's possible. It is possible. It is. But it's also about you know, opening up yourself uh, to the possibility and also taking responsibility mm, for yourself yes. mm-hmm. and the way and the way you are uh, feeling and it's very interesting at least that was my experience it's very interesting to learn that there are um, tools and techniques that you can learn and integrate into your life and this can be small steps small steps that you can start to do um, so so that you feel just even if it's just a little bit better Mm. a little bit what do you think the most challenging thing um that you've experienced since your father passed like what do you think that would be for you personally I think that was the point of realization that he's not coming back. Mm. For a long, long time, I told myself, you know, and this is the way you feel. You feel like 
you know he's dead, but you still you feel that he can walk through the door anytime. Hmm. Anytime. Even though you watched him dying. You know, and this feeling can stay with you for such a such a long time. But at some point I realized, okay, Lynn, you know, no. He is not coming back. And it's still the strangest feeling, you know, when I'm with my mom and then, you know, the chair where he used to sit, mm -hmm. it stays empty. And, and the house is so quiet now because my father was the one who was always talking and making jokes. And now it's really quiet in the house. So he's he's very 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 much missed. Hmm. Well, I know we're closing in on time here, and you know I I always you know want to give the floor to uh, my guest and just kind of tie up any loose ends or anything else that you want to say about your dad, about grief, about what you're doing in grief. So I'll just kind of give you the floor and. And let you kind of uh, take us to the end here. Any anything else that you can think of? Oh wow, um, I've been talking so much. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, what to say? Mm. I think it's yeah, it's the reminder. What I've said before is, you cannot grieve if you have not loved. Mm -hmm. And now, at least I'm at the point now where even though I miss him, so still so very, very much, um, I can be so grateful um, for him being my dad and this whole journey from, you know, when I was a little girl, there was this man in the house and there was my dad, but I didn't know who, who he was. Um, and then later in life, we got to know each other and we got so close. And I loved, I loved our relationship. And I, I could really feel um, that he loved me so much and that he was able to open up to me and really show me his love. And this is this is priceless, you know, this experience mm -hmm. is priceless. And um oh god, I'm tearing up now. Um <laughs> I'm just so grateful for the love. Mm -hmm. And I think that's very important. Um even when you are so so sad and, and crying and everything that comes with it. Because, you know, grief is so complicated mm -hmm. and it has many layers because when somebody dies, it's not just the person that dies. Um, there is a loss of family structure. There is a loss of, of, of self. You know, you can get in this this whole roller coaster from like that you don't know who you are anymore so a loss of identity you know you like you have to reinvent yourself like who am i and mm -hmm. all on all these questions and 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 so much more you know you feel less confident you feel less secure 
um, you know, maybe you lose you lose you lose other friends or family. You know, so many things that secondary losses they call yes. that secondary yes. losses. It's so complex and so and so um, layered, and then coming back to it again, and then if you are able to to get back to the love and and feeling grateful for your relationship and the time uh, that you had together, all those moments, all those memories, to honor them and to cherish them. And yeah, that you can feel uh, like this hope again and that you can find uh, meaning, the mm. meaning, the meaning of your life, and also um, eventually to make new beginnings in honor of them, the ones that you loved. You know, you you've talked about uh, grief and and love, and you just said you know finding meaning and. It, it reminds me of a quote from David Kessler in his book called Finding Meaning, The Sixth Stage of Grief. And he says, you don't have to experience grief, but you can only avoid it by avoiding love. Love and grief are inextricably intertwined. And I think that's probably one of the best ways to uh, describe love and grief, you know, that... Uh, you can avoid grief, but you avoid love in the process. And uh, I think it's impossible in this life to live without loving. And uh, so yeah, what's it, it the means... point? What's the point of living if yeah, you don't love? <laughs> exactly. So it means that by loving, you will grieve at some point in your life. It's it's impossible yeah. not to. Yes. Linda, unfortunately, I, unfortunately, but yes. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't thank you enough for coming on. I appreciate you um, just being willing to share your story of your father. And, uh, you know, definitely it, I see your servant heart trying to help other people through this process because of some of the pain that you encountered during this grief process for yourself. So I, I can't thank you enough for helping the grief community and, and doing what you do. Um, so again, thanks. Thank you so much for being here with me. Thank you for having me, giving me this opportunity to tell my story. And I'm very grateful. Thank you. Thanks. So I will have Linda's information. If, if you want to contact her about her, uh, her group beyond loss and um, just send her an email. And again, if you want to be on the show, contact me at griefobservepodcast at gmail.com. Uh, thanks again for being here on another episode. And I hope you were truly blessed by everything you heard today. Have a great day, everyone. <music>